You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? R. Joe Choa here from SB Nations, bloggingtheboys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and that just like us, you are glad that the preseason is over. The Dallas Cowboys officially winless in the exhibition period. The exhibition process, whatever you want to call it, but it doesn't matter. The preseason finally behind us. We can finally start to actually look forward towards the regular season. The final score Nobody really cares. The Cowboys lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. This was predictable. Everybody knew that, you know, if Trevor Lawrence was going to play for a bit, that the Cowboys weren't going to stand a chance. It was um, it was a 34 to 14 affair, if you really do care. But ultimately, the Cowboys, I think we saw some things that we can learn from. And I think we saw some things that we can be excited about. We are excited to enjoy the discussion with you if you are with us live on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook page. Robert Anthony on Facebook says, finally, this was miserable to watch. I agree. Um, let's see here. Marlon on YouTube says, better be breaking news. Ben DiNucci has been cut. Look, I know. We all know that Ben DiNucci, not exactly a great quarterback in the NFL. Nobody thinks that he is. Nobody thinks that Ben DiNucci is awesome. But it was predictable that he was going to play for a majority of this game. This was, at least the way the Cowboys approached it, the final preseason game is always about staying healthy, which didn't even necessarily happen, and we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but it's about putting out people who are probably not going to make your team. The majority of people who play today for the Dallas Cowboys are not going to be on the roster. By the way, speaking of the roster, later on tonight, on Sunday night here on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel, please make sure you do subscribe. We will release a 53-man roster prediction video. We already have some 53-man roster prediction articles up on the site. We will have another one that has predictions from all of our staff members. Uh, so be on the lookout for that here Sunday night. On Tuesday, when the Cowboys, just like everybody in the NFL, have to trim down to 53 players on their roster, what they will refer to as the final 53-man roster, but it will change. We will be live here on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel. Tuesday will be a very busy day, so make sure you get some food, get some drink and come join us we will be here at 2 p.m central time uh as final cutdowns are being trimmed all across the nfl we'll talk about notable players being cut across the league players the cowboys should potentially pursue etc so we'll be here at 2 p.m central time on tuesday and then again at 10 p.m central time on tuesday night after episode four of hard knocks donald on facebook says wrap our whole first team in bubble wrap lord keep them healthy uh let's see here uh joe brooks says thank goodness that is over kevin says qb2 is not on the roster and brian notes on youtube that jerry jones said malik hooker is making the team yes jerry jones prior to the game did say that malik hooker will be making the team i don't know why this was shocking to people i know you hadn't you know been on the team for too long but it always felt like he was going to make the roster um as we always do here on our post game show let's go ahead and start with winners losers um everything in between honorable mentions normally we do five winners five losers five honorable mentions I'm not gonna lie to you it was tough to get to five we did three winners three losers and four honorable mentions if you have any yourself go ahead and suggest them now if you're watching live we are also podcasting this conversation that you and i are having you and me it's just you and me here uh so you can listen on the blog on the voice podcast network but first loser i know everybody wants to see ben denucci we don't need to talk about ben denucci all right we don't have to say that name anymore here we know that ben denucci is not long for this roster might make the practice squad. Who cares? But first loser for me, Cooper Rush. Uh, Cooper had an opportunity to earn the QB2 job. I, he really did. He had an opportunity to become the QB2 for the Dallas Cowboys, and he squandered it. It was not a great day for Cooper Rush as far as his own individual performance is concerned, and that is something that is concerning to us. Look at this. This is Cooper Rush's first opportunity here in the game, and it did not go well. I mean, what is this? You know, look look how high this throw is. I mean, Cooper, what are you doing here? I mean, Malik Turner is not nine feet tall. Look look at, I mean, 
what can Malik do here? But I think, and we'll see what, how Malik shakes out as far as the roster is concerned. But look at this. Just, uh, I mean, what is, how, what, like, <laughs> what is this, Cooper? Look at this. How is this supposed to end well? Cooper Rush, dude. Um, I mean, look, uh, on Saturday, the Philadelphia Eagles traded for Gardner Minshew, traded ironically with the Jacksonville Jaguars who the Cowboys just played. Um, why didn't the Cowboys do that? It's a sixth-round pick. The Eagles gave up a sixth-round pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars to acquire Gardner Minshew. That can become, to be clear, a fifth-round pick if Minshew plays at least one half of three different games. So uh, three different halves, six total quarters of football. Um, so why were you not in on this, Cowboys? Why? You know, and look, I'm not trying to sit here and tell you and lie to you and say that Gardner Minshew is amazing, but... I mean, I realize last year is difficult to evaluate when it comes to Gardner because the Jaguars are so bad that they ended up with Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, Urban Meyer, what are you doing playing Trevor Lawrence in this game with nobody else? Or, anyway, whatever. Uh, but in 2019, the season that Andy Dalton had that was good enough for the Cowboys to sign him last year, Pro Football Focus had a higher offensive grade on Gardner Minshew. So if we're if the Cowboys are willing to bring in Andy Dalton, why are they so unwilling to send a fifth-round pick potentially to the Jacksonville Jaguars for Gardner Minshew? It's... It's frustrating. I don't understand why Gardner would not be the the ideal candidate. A lot of people saying, you know, hey, look, uh, the backup quarterback of the future is not on this team. Who is it then? Who who is like if you're if you're that person? And I'm not trying to challenge you or call you out, but if you were that person that says QB two is not on this roster currently, okay, who is the guy then? Who who is realistically going to be cut or waived on Tuesday that is going to be better? than either Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert. We're not even mentioning, you know, the nooch here. I mean, and look, I realize a lot of people are better than them, but you get my point. What practical option that is actually attainable and feasible is out there? There isn't one. I mean, there's there's not. Cooper Rush, uh, Kevin, by the way, says, I am QB2. Thank you, Kevin. All of our hopes rest with you. Um, and, and Kevin also adds, Gardner would have been worth the trade cost. I agree. It's a fifth-round pick at most that the Eagles are giving up here. It's a day-three pick. Who cares? I mean, you know, have them all. I mean... Not really, but still. Uh, so Cooper Rush, the first loser um, in my mind. Uh, Toddster says Gilbert uh, is the only backup who has actually looked like an NFL caliber quarterback in a real game. That has to mean something. That's the thing, though. I mean, the Cowboys are the, – the bar is so low, right? The, the reason that the Cowboys kind of went in on this is because he looked okay against the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. That's it. That's I mean, like, that's literally the reason why Garrett Gilbert was brought in to be QB2, because he looked not terrible against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who actually went on to implode a month after the fact last season. Uh, but, you know, to be fair here, because we have to evaluate what we saw, I do have Garrett Gilbert among my winners. I mean, he threw the first touchdown of the game, and if this is a competition between Garrett Gilbert and between Cooper Rush, Garrett Gilbert won. That's the nicest thing I can say about that. And I don't feel good about it. I don't think you probably feel good about it. HE 2016 on YouTube says uh, QB2 options, Blake Bortles and RG3. Bring on Blake Bortles. I'm super down with this. RG3 was working yesterday. You know, I mean, already, you know, college football is back. Uh, but I mean, man, I just, you know, and I want to address something that RG has mentioned here. If Dak's out, we are in trouble. There is a take and the take is fair. Um, the, the take is that if Dak goes down, the season's over anyway. So who cares who QB2 is? I agree with you. I agree. If Dak has to miss 10 games, this season is over. I mean, wrap it up, and we're just watching golf and soccer for the rest of time. But what if the, what if the, the hypothetical is not that extreme? What if Dak only has to miss a game? What if Dak only has to miss two games? What if Dak has to miss a month? You know what I mean? What if it's not enough to completely ruin and tear down your entire season, right? Like, what if it's just a teeny tiny bit that Dak Prescott has to miss here? That's why this is important. My One of my favorite signings, uh, if you listen or if you care to listen to podcasts, I do. I do some shows on the SB Nation NFL show where we talk about the NFL as a whole. And something I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, one of my favorite moves across the entire NFL this offseason, and this is not a joke is the Buffalo Bills signing Mitchell Trubisky. And I know, Mitchell Trubisky sucks. I'm not here to tell you or lie to you that he's great either. But Mitchell Trubisky has very recent starting experience in the NFL, which is a whole hell of a lot more than we can say for Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush. Now, I'm not saying that the Cowboys should have been the team to sign Mitchell Trubisky. What I'm saying is that is the ideal archetype of backup quarterback, is the guy who's coming off of recently starting 
hopefully a long stretch of time, still somewhat young, still, you know, at a place where he can be molded, he can grow, he can develop, or if he has to come in and pinch hit for a game to two or three or four, that's the mold. I honestly thought, and I know this sounds stupid now, I honestly thought that Andy Dalton fit that mold last year. I still believe that if Andy Dalton had only been asked to play a game or two, if that had been the case, which obviously it wasn't, I think that the Cowboys would have been fine. I really do believe that. He was never going to be somebody that was going to work out for you know, 10, 12 games, which is something that seemingly only Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy does not know, but that's a whole different discussion. My point is that's the archetype you want. You know who fit that archetype? Gardner Minshew. You know who doesn't fit that archetype? Garrett Gilbert. Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush, I mean, like, we for, I don't think we forget, but the Cowboys forget he's already been the team's backup quarterback, right? Like, that, <laughs> we've already been down this road. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, he is technically um, a winner in my book, Garrett Gilbert, but um, the bar is low. But, okay, let's move on. We have other winners, other losers to get to. Uh, another winner for me, definitely want to hear your winners if you're with us live on YouTube or Facebook, um, because there were definitely a lot. Uh, last note on this, uh, Kevin says on Facebook, if our backup quarterbacks look like this getting all these first string reps in preseason games and practice how will these guys look with no reps in the season totally agree and to be clear here your qb2 should not see a rep in the regular season i don't believe that in, in practice Dak should get assuming he's healthy which he is thankfully even though the national media wants you to believe that his arm is falling off Dak should get every single rep but you should have a dude back there who has been there and done this before and that is not what the Cowboys currently have going on. But, um, all right, let's see. Um, oh, by the way, it's a great point from SVT Snake 1999. You have to talk about the play calling since Moore didn't call today. Awful. I don't have this as a winner or loser. In case anybody did not see, the Cowboys head quarterbacks coach Doug Nussmeyer called the plays offensively. Uh, Joe Witt Jr. also called the defensive plays for the second week in a row with defensive coordinator Dan Quinn still in the COVID protocol. Um, I don't have a problem with this. Uh, the idea was that Kellen Moore could start focusing on Tampa Bay and Doug Nussmeyer could get some experience. I'm cool with this. I'm fine. I, I don't have any real problem. Yeah, I mean, you could pick. I, I don't think we can fairly pick at the play calling in the fourth preseason game when you're working with, you know, Garrett Gilbert and um, Ben DiNucci and, and Cooper Rush even. Uh, Christopher Summers says the Saints will practice at AT&T Stadium. Our thoughts and and certainly prayers and well wishes with everybody in the New Orleans area, the, the Louisiana area. Um, I have not seen that um, they will be practicing at AT&T Stadium, but we'll get to that uh, maybe. Let's see. Winner. Let's get back to the winner's discussion. Rondell Carter, winner for me. Uh, I thought Rondell had maybe the play of the game, honestly. Uh, Israel Mukwamu was the one who walked away with the interception. And spoiler alert here, Israel Mukwamu also a winner in this light. So this is kind of the uh, Rondell Carter, Israel Mukwamu moment. Check this out. He lost 40 to 10, but yes. Oh, and there's your pick. And somebody got C.J. Beathard's arm back there and forced this. So this play only happens, um, you know, uh, because of Rondo Carter. Um, so, you know, hey. Um, so, by the way, uh, the Saints are planning on practicing at AT&T Stadium through Wednesday, September 1st, which is next Wednesday. So that is the official status of that. Obviously, the Cowboys don't need AT&T Stadium during the week. But um, nice moment from Rondo Carter. Uh, Christopher Lopez says Rondo Carter can't be waived. He will be claimed. Well, you know, that did happen last year, but the Cowboys did wind up with him back. Uh, so and Rich says Rondell's making the 53. I'll be honest with you. Like I said, we have our 53-man roster prediction video coming out later today. I don't think so. However, however, and this we'll, we'll flesh this out in our 53-man roster prediction video later on today. The Cowboys are in a unique spot. Um, unique is definitely a unique word to use. They still currently have four players on the reserve COVID-19 list in CeeDee Lamb, Carlos Watkins, DeMonte Casey, and Connor Williams. Those four players are going to make the roster but they do not count against the roster currently. Um, so technically right now, the Cow or technically the Cowboys could end with 57 players, if that makes sense, because those players are still on it. The Cowboys also have a number of players who they are likely going to try to sneak and stash onto IR uh, once the season begins so that they can ultimately return. Um, so, you know, that is um, that's a particular detail that we'll get to, like I said, once all that time comes. Saw a loser, boss man fat. Yeah, Kelvin Joseph. Uh, and we mentioned getting out of this game healthy and that necessarily being the case. Kelvin Joseph did leave the game with a groin injury, was first questionable to return, ruled as out, um, not ideal. And look, 
I don't know where this came from, if I'm being honest with you. I like to think we all do a great job tracking the Cowboys and everything that's going on. That's literally our job. That's what we do here. You and me, we're best friends. We're family. We come here to talk about this. And prior to the preseason game against the Arizona Cardinals a few weeks ago, all this chatter started to pick up that Kelvin Joseph was uh, fighting for a roster spot. Uh, C Nation Station says loser 33. Yeah, really rough game for Deontay Burton. Uh, really, really rough game. But all this chatter started to kind of pop up that Kelvin Joseph was in the mix to be a starter. And I never understood that. I never understood how this could be the case because Kelvin Joseph had not really done much, as Doug says on Facebook. He hadn't done much at that point in time. And, you know, got beat against the Cardinals by Christian Kirk, and everybody talked about the push-off and everything like that. And there's nothing that has really happened. And I'm not saying that Kelvin's bad. I'm not saying his music sucks or anything like that. But he has not looked good. And I do feel for Kelvin Joseph because the Cowboys are in a spot now, or really Cowboys fans are in a spot where – this team missed out on Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn, and we're really bummed about that, right? We're pissed, and we're pumped about Micah Parsons, but it would have been awesome to have another corner, a top corner, right? And so we got a corner. It was like, here's Micah Parsons, but here's Kelvin Joseph. And so we thought, you know, it, it felt a lot to me, and I'm not trying to paint Kelvin Joseph with this brush, but it felt a lot like four years ago in 2017 when the Cowboys came back from drafting Taco and then drafted Chitabe Awuze. Uh, who's looked fine with the Cincinnati Bengals, by the way, uh, so far at least. And so it kind of felt like that, um, where it's like we have to now convince ourselves that this is what we really wanted, uh, this combination, this Micah Parsons-Kelvin Joseph combination. And thankfully, Micah has looked awesome. Can't wait to see him. Micah's going to be great. He's going to be a superstar defensively. Brian Baldinger last week said he thinks he's going to become the most versatile defensive player in the NFL. That's super exciting. But Kelvin Joseph has not really looked good. And certainly, you know, the fact that he's now injured is a uh, question mark that we're dealing with and we'll see what the situation is there never ideal to hear a groin injury uh but uh that is uh that is not good now sanjay uh hopefully if this is sanjay law i mean maybe you can offer us uh, some techniques on carrying bricks but sanjay says right is trash talking about nation right nation right depending on how you pronounce it uh nation right also in our losers list yeah a rough game i mean i saw a comment a moment ago uh that the cornerbacks all looked bad in this game they did and to be fair the Cowboys corners early on were going up against Trevor Lawrence. It, it seemed like Jacksonville took this game a little bit more seriously than Dallas did, uh, which, you know, and we've talked about that for months now about how teams are going to approach the preseason, because generally speaking, this particular game, the fourth preseason game for the Cowboys, at least, has been one of total reserves. But with other NFL teams only playing three in the Jaguars in this case, were they going to treat it more seriously? Also, there's a bye week. There's no NFL football next week. So maybe NFL teams would treat it a little bit more seriously. And it did seem like that was the case with Jacksonville. So you do have to kind of take everything that happened with a grain of salt. But Nashawn Wright has had moments, uh, certainly in practice, certainly in training camp, where we have felt like the Cowboys definitely saw something like Dan Quinn's uh, preferred model. Definitely it was yielding some positive results. And it still very well could. This was just not a good game for Nashawn Wright. Got beat a lot. Got dragged. Man, there was a point early in the game where Malik Hooker got dragged, ultimately made the tackle. Uh, but Nashawn Wright got carried, and that is not good. I mean, in fact, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, number one overall pick, obviously. But Trevor Lawrence looked really good. Um, and that's exciting, you know, if you're just a fan of football. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence certainly had his way with the Cowboys defensive backs just in a number of different ways. Lawrence going deep down the sideline. And inside the 25-yard line. Man, what, what a great job of saving room on the sideline for that young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, right here. Watch how he straightened him back up right here, you know a little push, but that was just kind of keeping his <laughs> right. I, I've minute. always when called my, that when Michael Irvin says a little just push. A little push. Well, that's a lot of separation. <laughs> that's that's a lot of separation uh, between Kelvin Joseph uh, and his man. Uh, we will have a highlights video that drops here on the YouTube channel on Monday. We'll talk about that play a little bit more, unfortunately. Um, just not a great day for Cowboys defensive backs, Cowboys corners. And look, it's some not every day is going to be great. Uh, if you've arrived late, we do get into winners, losers, honorable mentions here on the postgame show. What's up? I'm Arjo Ochoa. This is Blogging the Boys, best Dallas Cowboys website on the internet, in the world, really. Uh, please do subscribe here to the YouTube channel. Uh, our winners so far, Garrett Gilbert in the, like, 
most bare bones sense of being a winner. Uh, Rondo Carter, Israel Mukwamu, losers, Cooper Rush, Nashawn Wright, Kelvin Joseph. It is now time for honorable mentions. I told you that we had four. Uh, James, by the way, says, I am not surprised that some of our fan base is overreacting. Yeah, look, this game sucked. I mean, you know, but it's okay. You know, the cow. It was this was Cowboys reserves against some Jacksonville starters. It's all good. Um, you know, this doesn't necessarily, this isn't indicative of a terrible team. This doesn't mean the Cowboys are going to be awful. This isn't proof that the Cowboys are going to be trash this year. It's just whatever it is, what it is. Would we have liked for it to be better? Of course, obviously, but you know, it's just, it's not the end of the world, but, uh, honorable mentions type. If you have any honorable mentions for this game, let us know. Uh, Christopher Lopez says Luke Gifford honorable mention. I like that. Luke Gifford had a nice moment, uh, late in the game. Certainly if you were still watching, I know a lot of people checked out, uh, Messi's making his PSG debut, uh, PJ tour is going on lots of other stuff to demand your attention. I understand. Uh, but, uh, Luke Gifford played well. I thought late in the game, we'll see. I think Luke Gifford has really benefited from Francis Bernard's status and Luke Gifford might ultimately make the team as a result of it. So we'll see, um, ultimately what happens here. Timothy Williams says Jabril Cox, the broadcast. If you watch the local broadcast, I know we have a lot of you know people everywhere uh, and international fans that maybe watch the the NFL Network broadcast and and depending on what you saw is my point. Uh, but the Cowboys home broadcast, Bill Jones and Co. did have Jabril Cox as their defensive player of the game. I did not have Jabril Cox on my list. I did try to kind of look look a little bit elsewhere for this winners, losers, and honorable mentions. We've talked a lot about Jabril Cox, and I don't mean at all not to highlight how great he played. Jabril Cox probably, maybe arguably, had the best game of anybody in this particular contest, but um, we've given him enough love. So I was just trying to trying to look under some different rocks, you know what I mean? And so in that sense, honorable mention, Isaac Galarcon, whose mom was fantastic last week on Hard Knocks. Uh, we will have a Hard Knocks live stream again on Tuesday by the night. Looked fine, and I think Isaac is another practice squad candidate this year. Um, and so, and if he is on the practice squad, he won't take away from, or he won't count against the Cowboys practice squad. NFL rules dictate that teams can only have 16 players on it, but because he is part of the NFL's international pathway program, he can be a 17th player. That was the rule last year. He has one more year of exemption there. Um, so it does seem like that could be the plan for him, but I thought Isaac Alarcon played fine. Thought he was solid, you know, nothing to really, you know, freak out about John the Grace that thought Farniak looked really good. Yeah, Matt Farniak has played okay. You know, certainly the Cowboys third option at center originally uh, when they still thought Connor Williams was a good play in there. I do think that Matt, we're going to see the Cowboys cut some guys, wave some guys that they're going to bring back. That's how this works. That If you're new to this, that's how Tuesday will work. There will be some names who they move on from that they are strategic about. They're going to cut and wave some guys whom they believe will not get touched by other teams. And I think that Matt's in that camp. I think they want him on this roster, but I think that they have a lot of hoops to kind of, you know, wiggle through or a lot of uh, whatever uh, needles to thread, lines to thread, whatever the expression is. And so I think that the Cowboys might view Farniak as expendable and someone whom they're fine risking. And assuming he is untouched by all NFL teams, the Cowboys can ultimately bring him back um, after everything happens. Um Fat Daddy mentions, honorable mention, the punter. We have not talked about this here on the channel, but there are rumors swirling. And this is a little bit of a preview for my own 53-man roster prediction uh, about Johnny Hecker. Johnny Hecker is probably out as the Rams punter. Longtime Rams punter, longtime John Fossil disciple. And so if Johnny Hecker is out as the Rams punter, you know, I like Brian Anger. Don't get me wrong. And Brian Anger, if you have ever heard the phrase punters are people too, the Rich Eisen coined, it was him. It was uh, him uh, being drafted, ironically, by the Jacksonville Jaguars when Rich Eisen said that during the NFL draft. But it does seem like Johnny Hecker could be a path that the Cowboys choose to pursue, um, you know, in this particular moment in time. But whatever. Anyway, so honorable mention, Isaac Galacón. Honorable mention, Aaron Parker. If you catch a touchdown, you're going to be an honorable mention. That's, that's just kind of the way, you know, this works here. Speaking of Aaron Parker, uh, we have two angles to show you. So get ready for some Aaron Parker highlights. We'll get the fruit of that hard lady. Oh, beautiful play. Aaron beautiful Parker, play. touchdown Cowboys. Uh, that's the kind of play I help you make a football team right there. That was a heck of a throw right that there to Aaron throw. Parker. That was a great throw right there to Parker and a great route. Great timing. We, we talked about early on that yep. slant route being late, but the timing here was absolutely perfect. Watch this when he comes out of it. Oh my God, that, that was yeah, that was a great job. That's a veteran cornerback, Sidney Jones, number 21. Aaron Parker in his second year out of Rhode Island. Seriously, I mean, 
that might be the play that gets Garrett Gilbert on the Dallas Cowboys 53 man roster. And that might that might be the play that earns Garrett Gilbert the QB2 job. Uh let's see here. Pio McCartney says, uh, hey Mr. Ochoa, cheers from McAllen, Texas. What's up? Love the RGV. I'm from the RGV. Uh let's see here. Uh Nardo says, How do we keep Dixon? Look, I would love to keep Johnny Dixon, but it's just not gonna happen. I mean, I hate to be that blunt about it, but it's just not, you know, that's that. You know, Johnny Dixon had the game's final touchdown, by the way, um, in the second touchdown, and it was nice. So, you know, let's let's look at that. And right down the field, the Johnny Dixon for the touchdown. All right, that's a good throw now. And, and, and he was patient and could have even been a little more patient. Now, yeah, he, he had to go up and make the play, and he did get up and make the play, but, but that's a good opportunity right there. It's a good throw, good place. A nice play, you know what I mean? Um, nice play, but, you know, if uh, if he's cut, it's okay. The Cowboys have a lot of wide receivers. I think we're good. Uh, by the way, good friend of the show, Bill Yuma, says, Rush is the pick for QB2 much more reliable. Hey, look, I really don't care. I mean, I I would guess the Cowboys are, are – I think the Cowboys have wanted to believe that it's Garrett Gilbert, and I think that today might have given them a slight reason to believe that it's Garrett Gilbert. Uh, but if it is Cooper Rush, I'm totally fine with this. Uh, Pio, by the way, says, I uh, heard you talking Spanish uh, with Mauricio Rodriguez. In case anybody's unaware, we do have some international fans. We do have an entirely Spanish-spoken show on the Blog and the Voice podcast network. Every Saturday, Mauricio Rodriguez uh, hosts Cowboys Oi. It is kind of a wrap-up on everything that's happened in the week regarding the Cowboys, and uh, he does it entirely in Spanish. Very talented individual, Mauricio. Does a lot of video and YouTube work himself. Covers the Cowboys for A to Z Sports Dallas. We love Mauricio. Love his show. Uh, and I was on it once i'm about 80 percent fluent in spanish and so it was a bit of a rough go uh but definitely had a good time so uh let's see here um we've got uh christopher lopez says dixon is gone i agree and todd says great throw by garrett gilbert to help parker get an honorable mention all right so final honorable mention we've talked winners we've talked losers now we're covering honorable mentions i do write about this by the way every week at blogoftheboys.com generally the same day that the cowboys game ends of course if it's a night game that influences things a little bit but my final honorable mention uh greg zerline greg so we got to see greg zerline that's really you know honorable mention doesn't necessarily mean a good thing um and i don't think that um that he was bad um but greg zerline hey 100 accuracy on his on his extra point attempts all right we're focusing on positives here um yeah he missed the field goal but it's from 56 yards look i mean what a welcome back and i know he had a rough time in practice last week five of eight on field goal attempts uh but the leg was there and that's really all that matters so the bar is really low um and so hey it is what it is but uh greg zerline makes our uh honorable mention list support for this show comes from atlassian atlassian software like jira confluence and loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great but together we're so much better that's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.
Uh, Kevin says Zerline didn't deserve an honorable mention. I'm trying to be nice. And you know what I mean? Like we're, we haven't really talked about Greg Zerline. That's really what this was, was a launching point uh, to have a discussion about Greg Zerline. We all believe in John Fossil, right? We all do. He's been fantastic since he's been the special teams coordinator of the Cowboys, really elevated them out of the basement that they were in in 2019. And so, I mean, I trust him. I think we, I think that, you know, Greg, uh, that John Fossil has earned the right to be trusted. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just really happy that we have something Greg Zerline need to talk about because it's been a long, long, long time. Ethan says, uh, do we think the Cowboys will start cuts tomorrow? Probably. I don't think there's any sense in wasting time. Um, but it is worth mentioning that the Cowboys are on hard knocks. If you believe that that plays a factor in anything, maybe they want to save suspense or drama, whatever, uh, for Tuesday's episode. Although this has been a weird hard knock season. They have not shown a lot of cuts or things like that, even though the Cowboys have cut some players right now. I don't know if they'll show the Cowboys cutting players on Tuesday's episode or if they'll save it for next week. So that remains to be seen, but it does make sense for them to begin cuts. By the way, if you go to bloggingtheboys.com right now, on the top right corner, we have a tracker. We do this for any kind of news that happens uh, in the NFL with the Cowboys. So we will update that constantly. So you can go to that side. You can open a tab on your phone, your tablet, whatever, and we will constantly update that for you to let you know who the Cowboys have cut, what the 53-man roster or whatever size it is looks like at that point in time. We will also let you know other players cut around the NFL, players the Cowboys could potentially pursue, possibly some quarterbacks, whatever the case may be. Um, so uh, that is but also uh, a swing tackle, as King Leonidas notes. Cowboys still need a swing tackle situation. Todd just says, are we ready for the Bucks? Hoping so, but not so optimistic. I think so. I mean, I, I think that this this first team is certainly ready for the Bucks, and I'm very excited. I know you all are as well uh, for this to ultimately arrive. We are now... 11 days away is that right 11 days i think that's right 11 days away from the season opener we're almost into the single digits but um so the cowboys lost all their pieces and games panic chaos ah, but there is hope all right there is hope that everything is okay here now look if you follow me on twitter you know i like weird connections all right and i'm not saying that this means anything but if you are freaking out because the cowboys did not win a single preseason game do not fret, my friend. All right, the Cowboys have gone winless in the preseason twice over the last decade. Obviously, no preseason games in 2020. The Cowboys did not win a single preseason game in 2014. What happened? 12 and 4. Boom. NFC East champions. The Cowboys did not win a single NFC or a single preseason game in 2018. What happened? Boom. 10 wins. NFC East champions. What does this mean? I mean, it means nothing. The preseason and how a team does ultimately means nothing. It's super cool that the Baltimore Ravens have won 20 preseason games in a row, but you know what is way less cool? That J.K. Dobbins is hurt and is out for the season. Nobody cares what happens in the preseason if you're winning games, if you're losing players. The most important thing is that you stay healthy. And relatively speaking, from a grand perspective, a 30, is it, what's the expression? 30,000 foot per view, whatever. The Cowboys have remained healthy in the preseason. That is awesome. Um, so we did have a uh, an analysis done that we will be releasing at blogoftheboys.com later on this evening, actually, about preseason success and how it correlates to regular season success. And the answer is really not so much. Um, <laughs> if a team does really well, in the preseason, they generally, you know, it has nothing to do with whether they're a good team in the regular season or not. Robert Anthony notes on Facebook, both 0-16 teams in NFL history went 4-0 in the preseason. That's what I'm saying. This ultimately is meaningless. Now, uh, as you can see here, teams that won between 0 and 1 preseason games um, most of the time have gone or have, have rather won 7 to 8 games in the regular season. Um, this does not include the Hall of Fame game, which the Cowboys obviously did play in this season. And obviously, there are now 17 games in a regular season. Now, I don't think 8 wins, even in the NFC East, is going to be enough uh, to get you to the playoffs. So we're hoping that the Cowboys somehow, some way, I, you know, if you told me the over-under was 10.5 on the Cowboys at wins, I would probably lean the over. I think they're right in that 10 to 11 win range. Uh, but generally speaking, preseason success has nothing to do with how a team does in the regular season. Although, uh, if a team does not win a single preseason game, historically speaking, over the last decade, uh, they do not win more than 14 games. So what a bunch of losers, anyway, is, uh, is the point here. Uh, let's go questions. Uh, if you have any questions, now is the time. You and I, we're sitting here, we're chatting. If you're listening to the podcast, this is why you should be part of the live show because we get a chance, everyone, to sit around the campfire, have some fun, talk it out. So questions, comments, concerns, 
anything that's on our chest that we just want to get off, that we just want to speak about, we just want to whatever, anything because the preseason is over. And now we are looking forward towards the regular season. The next time that this team plays a football game, the next time that our team plays a football game, it will matter. It will be important and it will be a win. Let's see here. Uh, question, question, question. Uh, Kevin uh, says, Fahoko has done nothing to make the team. He has practice squad. In filling out a 53-man roster prediction, I have found that it is difficult to carry Simi Fahoko. Now, I understand, and I know I've said the point that other NFL teams are likely going to be interested in poaching him if the Cowboys do waive him. Maybe he will get claimed by somebody else. We literally heard John Lynch say during the Hall of Fame game that they had interest in him, obviously. There's the Stanford-San Francisco connection, whatever, blah, blah. But right now, it is hard to carry Simi Fahoko on the 53-man roster. I really, really, really have a difficult time doing that i mean honestly uh so you know hey uh bill uh on uh, on our youtube stream says is that emmett behind me uh, emmett picture behind me signed this one is not however that's the great thing about having this desk here uh this one is this one is signed by emmett smith uh my dad and i uh we were at the 2010 pro football hall of fame enshrinement ceremony in canton ohio and uh we did get this signed by emmett we also got a picture signed by Jerry Rice, who was part of the Pro Football Hall of Fame class as well. So great question from Bill. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, Yator says, we should be looking at a solid backup quarterback. Totally agree. And look, Blake Bortles, there's, and I, I truly do not believe that there is a quarterback who is going to get cut or waived that is going to be worth pursuing, that is going to be better without any knowledge or any experience in the Cowboys offense at the moment than Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush. And maybe that's what the Cowboys are relying on. They're relying on saying, see, told you You've been saying to go get somebody who's out there, whatever. Well, you know who's been out there? Gardner Minshew was out there. That's what you should have done. We told you that forever. But uh, that's it. Uh, Yator also says Simi is a practice squad guy. Totally agree with that. Now, RG, uh, great uh, initials, by the way, great sounding initials, if I'm being completely impartial, says, if we start 0-2, would you be worried or would you be more concerned about the divisional games? Let's see here, RG. We are lucky enough that our fantastic producer has put uh, the Cowboys schedule here in our platform that we use to stream. So let's take a look at the first couple of weeks because it is honestly likely. Some, yeah, some would say conceivable, but some would say likely. Some would say probable that the Cowboys are going to start the season off one and two. And I want to look at the season quickly from an opposing quarterback standpoint. We've been talking about quarterbacks for so often. Um, Tom Brady, obviously week one, the world champs, probably a loss. I think we're all, look, I'm going to tell you right now that when we do our preview video uh, for this game, I'm going to predict the Cowboys to win because you can't not pick them to win. You know what I mean? But it's probably a loss if we're being honest with ourselves. And then I'm definitely high on the Chargers, but I'm, I'm not so high that I think it's impossible for the Cowboys to beat them in week two. But say the Cowboys do start the season 0-2, and, and if they do, we will hear all and all and all about how teams that start off 0-2 generally never make the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. By the way, 1993 Cowboys, first team in NFL history to start off 0-2 and win the Super Bowl. Uh, but after that, and again, quickly here, looking at opposing quarterbacks, you get Jalen Hurts the day after the Ryder Cup, you get Sam Darnold, you get Daniel Jones, and then I don't know who's starting for New England at that point in time. Maybe it's Mac Jones. Um, it makes sense that it would be Mac Jones. After that, you get uh, in week seven, the bye. And then I have a sneaky suspicion that Kellen Mond will be starting by that time for Minnesota. But then you get Teddy Bridgewater, or maybe Drew Locke. I mean, who knows? You get Matt Ryan. You get Kansas City. And then this is the stretch we've talked about so many times here. On Thanksgiving, the Cowboys get the Raiders and Derek Carr. And then after that, Thursday Night Football, Jameis Winston, I guess, you know, if he's still the starting quarterback for New Orleans at that point in time. And then of the final five games of the season for the Cowboys, four of them are against teams that comprise what was literally one of the worst divisions in the history of the NFL last year, a league that celebrated 100 years of existence in 2019. So my point is, I could see the Cowboys entering December, you know, a little bit down, just a little bit, you know, is not having a record that we're all pumped about. I don't think the Cowboys lose a game from week 14 on. I think maybe they split with Washington, but Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't exactly known for being a great quarterback in the month of December. So you're talking about two games against them. You get another game against Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett's super efficient and innovative offense. You get the Arizona Cardinals, and that will be fun because of what Kyler Murray had to say about the Cowboys over the offseason. I'm not going to say it here. It's a family show. I know we got people that listen to the car with kids. Uh, and then you get Jalen Hurts again. Maybe you get Gardner Minshew in week 18. Who knows? So my point here is if the Cowboys start off 0-2, I mean, I honestly think that they're going to be fine. I mean, the, the, you could, the three hardest games of the season for the Cowboys are Tampa Bay, the LA Chargers, 
and the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are the three hardest games that they are playing this season. And the fact that you can get two of them out of the way right away, and the fact that you get forever to be able to play or, or forever to be able to prep for the Buccaneers. I mean, we talked about this early on, how Doug Nussmeyer called the game for the Cowboys against the Jaguars so Kellen Moore could prep for Tampa Bay. You have you can make a very strong argument that the most difficult game the Cowboys will play across the entire season, the very one. In fact, I'll ask you right now, if you're watching, what's the most difficult game? Because I think your answer is the Buccaneers. So you get all of this time to prep for that game. You give Kellen Moore all of this time to prep for that game. You don't, you're not coming off of a short week. You're not coming off of Monday Night Football. You're not coming off of a travel. You're just literally going into this game, and it is the most rested, most refreshed, most educated that you will be at any point throughout the entire season. And look, we have a comment here. Uh, I've lost it now because they're flying in. Christopher Summer says, Casey, even if you think that KC is the hardest game, which is fair, it's not as important as Tampa Bay. If the Cowboys could lose one game this year, I, I, if if it was KC, I wouldn't care. The way that tiebreakers work, who cares if the Cowboys lose to an AFC team? The Tampa win is much more important. And so, I mean, you're, you're in the best possible spot that you could be in going into that Tampa Bay game. And as Bill notes, um, you also have the mini-buy going into the Chargers game because the Cowboys will be coming off of that Thursday game against Tampa Bay. They will have a week and a half. Yes, they will have to travel to L.A. It's not like the Chargers have a great home field, though, or home field advantage, rather. And so the Cowboys will have – look, those are two really hard games to start your season. But you have two inordinately unique advantages heading into both of them. So – if they start off 0-2, would it suck? Probably. Or definitely. Would we panic? Probably. Uh, would we panic in a real sense? No, but we would definitely be concerned. And if they started off 0-2, what would suck is we would have to wait all the way until the following Monday night to have the home opener be against the Eagles. And there would be some pressure going into that game. And in the Mike McCarthy era, granted, there were a lot of circumstances that faced this team last year. We have not seen them necessarily respond well to pressure. They did against Minnesota last year after the watermelon smash and all that. But, I mean, you know, that would not be ideal. I think they're probably one and one. Um, I think they're probably one and one. Narukar says, uh, greetings from Germany. How goes it? Uh, says, how do you think or what do you think about Dallas's O-line health? This is a really terrifying question, if we're being honest with ourselves here. I think we all believe in Tyron Smith. Um, I've said this before to people. Do you know the last time that Tyron Smith played a full season for the Dallas Cowboys? Because I don't think you know. And I think that the answer will shock you. The last time that Tyron Smith played an entire season for the Dallas Cowboys was 2015. Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott are entering their sixth year for the Dallas Cowboys, and they have never had a full season's worth of Tyron Smith in the huddle next to them. Never. That has never happened. I mean, so when you think about that, that is not cool, and it's more probable than not that Tyron Smith is probably going to have to miss some time. I don't think we feel great about Tyron Secchi. I don't think we feel great about Terrence Steele. I don't think we feel great about Brandon Knight. I don't think we feel great about any level of depth on the Cowboys. I don't think we feel great about who the backup center is. If this starting offensive line stays healthy, awesome, great, papitas, we're pumped. But that is extremely unlikely, especially in a regular season that is now one game longer than that. And so that is worth considering. And we haven't even talked about Lyle Collins, who now has a stinger issue and something you know, hovering around him for the second time over the course of the last 10 days or so, maybe about 12 days. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, how am I feeling about the O-line's health? Not good. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not feeling great. Am I ready to smash the glass and pull the emergency lever? No, I'm not quite there. But in, you know what it feels like to me? You know when you would play Mario as a kid and you would be down, you would have no more lives left. You, you know what I mean? Like you would have no more lives left, but you were the big version of Mario. And then you would like run into the fiery thing or the little uh, Goombas or whatever, and you would shrink. And so you knew like, oh man, like anything I touch, that's it. I am done after this. Like I've got no lives. I'm the small version of myself. Like you're like, I have to find one of the mushrooms or one of the fire flowers, and I have to give myself an extra point of defense. And I don't feel like the Cowboys have that right now. So we're currently looking for a mushroom or a fiery flower. Uh, I don't know what those are called. I don't know the technical terms. So apologies there. But that's what the Cowboys need uh, because their O-line, their starting offensive line, top 10 in the NFL. Probably the 8th to 10th best, 7th to 10th best offensive line in the NFL when they're fully healthy. I mean, when they're fully, fully healthy, they certainly can challenge to be a top five unit. Uh, but their better days are obviously behind them as a group. Uh, but the lack of depth is definitely concerning. Uh, C Nation Station says, could the Cowboys trade for Drew Locke? I, nobody make fun. I like the creativity behind this question. Um, 
I, I like the, their creativity, but this is a team that didn't trade for Gardner Minshew. So I don't think that they are bold enough to trade uh, for Drew Locke. But that is a really interesting way to think about that, um, you know, when it's all said and done. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Christopher Velasquez says Dak needs, uh, needs to stay healthy and could get hurt again versus Tampa Bay. What makes us think that? Why, why could he get hurt against Tampa Bay? I really I don't see that at all. I think Dak is fully healthy. I think Dak's going to dominate against Tampa Bay. I think it's going to be hard, but I think Dak's going to play really, really, really well because Dak's a really good quarterback. And so I think that that's, uh, you know, that's that. But uh, Yator says blocking tight ends will have to help our backup offensive tackles once they're back as our starters. Yeah, I mean, Dalton Schultz, we need you, buddy. Uh, we really, really need you. Uh, let's see here. Um, John LaGrace, by the way, back to the schedule, says Chiefs and Raiders in that four-day span will be tough. That's true. The Cowboys do visit the Kansas City Chiefs on a Sunday, and then the following Thursday, which is Thanksgiving, and you got all the tour doll in your system, um, that is four days later. So that's you know two games in five days, technically. Um, but if you have to do that, if you, ha- if you have to play two teams in that condensed stretch, wouldn't you want them to be AFC teams? You know what I mean? Like if, if I told you the Cowboys could lose, if, if whoever you are, and I said the Cowboys are going to lose four games this year, you can pick them. Pick the four games that you want them to lose. If you don't pick the AFC teams, and granted there are now five uh, AFC games because of the 17th game, but if your four answers are not, or your, if, whatever, if we pick four or five, if they are not 100% AFC teams, you're doing this wrong. Those are the games you want to lose. Those are the most meaningless games. They don't mean as much as far as wins are concerned, as far as the tiebreaker goes. So if you have to play two games in that five-day tight little stretch where things are going to be tough and sticky, would you not want them to be 40% of the games that you could lose? That's that's how I uh, value this. But that is definitely um, a very important you know distinction to kind of look at here. Uh, let's see here. Um, now, this question has come up. Oh, I like this question. Robert Anthony says, which divisional team do you think will sweep New York and Philly? I could see the split with Washington, uh, but New York is the top answer to that. That I've said this before. The only team in the entire NFC that I am 100% confident will be worse than the New York Giants or the Detroit Lions. I think the Giants are going to be terrible this year, but that maybe that's just me. Uh, Derek, though, this question has come up a lot. Uh, says the Bears most likely won't carry all three quarterbacks. Is there a chance of grabbing Foles? Uh, Matt Nagy, some reason for some reason, believes that Andy Dalton should start over Justin Fields, whatever. Um, but um, they are two of the three quarterbacks that the Bears have on their roster, and therefore Nick Foles is seemingly available. I don't want anything to do with Nick Foles. I mean, great guy, great story, you know, super huge fan of Nick Foles, the person. Um, but who Nick Foles is as a player now, especially, I'm good. I, you know what I mean? Like, I've, we've seen enough of Nick Foles. Um, and so I don't really have anything that I need to see from that. The Cowboys were interested before we all remember in 2016, you know, which ironically them not signing Nick Foles led to uh, Dak Prescott having a chance to be the team starter, but I'm good on Nick Foles. There are definitely other, I mean, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that I would be interested um, in that are going to be cut or that are eligible to be cut. I think Nick Foles will be cut, um, but I just, I'll pass on there. Uh, King Leonidas says, uh, is Zach Martin your swing tackle? I say, yes, this is something Mike McCarthy gets criticism for because last year he said that it isn't fantasy football. You can't just move players around, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then lo and behold, Zach Martin, who I know the NFL top 100 wasn't kind to him. Who cares if the NFL top 100 says, um, yeah, Zach Martin's your swing tackle, but let's play that out. So, okay. Lyle's hurt. Okay. So left to right, you got Tyron, you got Connor, you got Tyler and you got Connor McGovern. Is that who's playing right guard for you? And Zach, is that what you're doing? I'm not, I'm not like criticizing this, but I mean, I suppose like, I like that better. You know, like, like I, I like that better than keeping Zach at right guard and having Ty and Secchi right now. I do feel better about that ultimately. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. Uh, DJ dog 31 says bears chargers in Las Vegas are three deep in quarterbacks, chase Daniel, Nate Peterman and Nick Foles. Uh, I think DJ Doc's point here is that those could be the ones moved on from by their teams. Um, Chase Daniel, I'm not opposed to. I'm not, that doesn't like excite me. Nathan Peterman, I'm not pumped about, but again, we are not in a, we're not in a position to bargain, right? You know, like uh, we're, we're like the bad guy. I forget what his name was, but in Dr. Strange, when he's like, I've come here to bargain, like we, we could sit here all day long and refuse, you know what I mean? And it's a bad idea because we have nothing to really stand on. Uh, we we need to bargain. That's who we are at this point if we are uh, Cowboys fans. Um, let's see here. Next question. Um, 
Uh, C Nation Station says, what's going on with Josh Ball? This is an interesting one. Uh, prior to the game today, on, on Sunday, maybe you're watching this late or listening to this late, ESPN's Todd Archer noted that Josh Ball, Neville Gallimore, and Sean McEwen could all start the season on injured reserve. That's not shocking by any means, but that was the first implication that I at least had seen about this. Uh, there has not been really any chatter about Josh Ball, um, but it does seem like he is headed for injured reserve. And again, we will clarify this in our 53-man roster prediction video, but that does mean that the Cowboys will have to carry him on their initial final 53-man roster, along with Neville Gallimore, along with Sean McEwen, and they will put them on the injured reserve at that point in time, and they will be eligible to come off. Um, so yeah, I th the Josh Ball pick has been strange from the very beginning, um, obviously, but we have not seen anything from him throughout camp, throughout OTAs, throughout anything, throughout preseason, throughout, I mean, it's been nothing as far as Josh Ball is concerned. So that is, um, you know, great question here. Uh, let's see here. Um, let's go back. I saw another one that I really liked here. Um, let's go to, um, let's see here. Uh, Jacob says, in the second round, I was screaming to draft Asante Samuel Jr. I would have been on the talent and the bloodline over the upside of Calvin Joseph. Yeah, I mean, look. It's, I'm actually asking the question. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking this out out loud and we'll put, we'll say Josh ball is in his own separate box here. So of the non Josh ball picks is Kelvin Joseph, the most disappointing one right now. This is very early, very, very, we haven't even gotten to the regular season is Josh ball. The most disappointing Cowboys pick your thoughts. Who is the most disappointing Dallas Cowboys rookie draft pick right now? Again, we're talking about non-Josh Ball options here. Because um, every other one has had a moment that I like. Even Matt Farniak has had moments, right? Like Matt Farniak might be like the backup center, right? Like we, we, he has a, a, a somewhat defined role. So, I mean, that's, I think it's, it might be Kelvin Joseph, right? I mean, uh, Naru Carr says KJ. I mean, it really might be Ethan says after today, I say Calvin Joseph. Kevin says Fahoka. That's a good answer. And I think now we're cheating a little bit, or I'm about to cheat a little bit because Simi is not a second round pick. And so when you factor in, and this goes both ways, when you factor in that Calvin was a second round pick, the expectation is higher. But then when you factor in, well, this is the guy we got because we didn't get Patrick Sertan or JC Horn, you have to come back to reality a little bit, right? Like he was never going to be those guys because he's not those guys, right? Like that was never going to be the case. But we did kind of talk ourselves into Sumi Fahoko as being this whoa do because of his physical attributes and everything the next gen stat said about him coming out of Stanford. Um, on John LaGrace, another uh, and Richard also has this answer. Uh, Chauncey Golston, uh, that's a that might be the answer. That that actually, I mean, if you're a third round pick and you really haven't touched the field, that might be the answer. Uh, but the fact that Kelvin is even in consideration for this is um, is unideal. <laughs> if we're being honest, if your second round draft pick is in consideration. It has not been a good time uh, at that particular position. Um, let's see here. Uh, Rex says, we spent too high on Wright, and he is not the value, and we could have had him in round seven. I don't want to relitigate the Nishan Wright thing. Um, we've, you know, we've definitely litigated that enough. Um, I think that's the term. And so, look, we've just kind of accepted that. And Nishan Wright, to be clear here, is the better rookie corner on the team. I mean, he's, he's had better moments, at least. Um, so, you know, there's that. Now, there are still some holding strong. Uh, Bill Yuma says, Kelvin Joseph is upside, started very few games in college. We're starting by the end of the year. There's, there's definitely that. This is definitely a slow burn. You could definitely absolutely believe that. Uh, so hopefully that's the case. Now let's flip. Let's flip the conversation. I like this. DJ Dog's going positive. I like this a lot. Uh, who has had the best rookie performance? And I will say, we're going to put Micah in his own box here because Micah has been so special. Micah has been awesome. Micah has been amazing. We're all super pumped about Micah. Micah has been so awesome that I have personally come around on the idea of a linebacker wearing number 11. So we realize and accept that Micah Parsons is in his own special box over here. So that being said, who has had the best rookie performance so far now that the preseason is finally and friendly behind us? DJ Dog 31 says Osa. And, and Osa factor isn't based on, except, on expectations because the expectation was there for Micah Parsons. Um, uh, Yuma says Osa easily. John says Osa's been awesome. Um, sexy pizza, 88. Look at that. Not every pizza's sexy. Uh, says Jabril Cox. I mean, hey, I mean, Jabril's been fine, and he's come on as of late. 
but I think we did gas him up really hard early on, and maybe that's on us. Uh, but he's been good. I'm not trying to imply that he hasn't been. Uh, but Richard, I like Richard's comment here. Uh, Osa by far, then Cox. Yeah, Osa Digizu has been just delightful, especially in the sense that Neville Gallimore got hurt. So we really needed Osa Digizu to look awesome. And he, um, you know, he has. Uh, now, I have not been monitoring Twitter because I've been working hard here on the show. Uh, but John LaGrace uh, noted that Joseph tweeted the injuries only minor. He'll be back better, uh, be back and be better. Um, if somebody can um, send me on Twitter his exact tweet, let's see here. I'll pull this up myself. I don't have to be lazy. I'll just pull it up myself. Uh, if you guys can deal with my typing. It's so difficult to type while talking at the same time, which is my way of stalling. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, Calvin Joseph tweeted five minutes ago. Uh, minor will be back and better. Didn't even say, didn't even say injury. Just said minor will be back and better. So good news. Calvin Joseph, who, again, if you somehow missed it, left the game with a groin injury. Um, and so thankfully he's, uh, he's all good in that capacity. So shout out to John for being our eyes and ears. Um, so yeah. Uh, Rex Morgan asks if I do Periscope still. I used to do Periscope a long time ago. Really appreciate the question, Rex. And for anyone who's curious, if you like these, we do this after every Dallas Cowboys game. And I know some of you are listening to the podcast or watching this after the fact, but we jump on live on the Blog on the Boys YouTube channel and Blog on the Boys Facebook page, but go subscribe to the YouTube channel after every single Dallas Cowboys game. We also jump on when there's breaking news. We also jump on on every Tuesday. We jump on all the time because, look, let's be real here, people, and now that the regular season is here, we can like allow ourselves to get hyped enough for it. This is what we live for. This is the best time of year. This is when all the best foods are around. This is when, you know, my wife's getting all the fall decorations, and I, you know, I don't like pumpkin stuff, but the smell is in our house everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, this is the best time of year. Why? Because of all that stuff, but mostly because Dallas Cowboys football is back. And the fact that we get to share and experience it with one another in these live fashions is sick. I mean, it is the sickest, coolest, most radical thing that there ever could be. And so uh, we will be here uh, after every Dallas Cowboys game and multiple times throughout the week. So please do subscribe to the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. Uh, let's see here. Uh, skeptical fan, um, appropriate name, says, I'm not hyped. How could you not be hyped? Look, and we'll end here. This team might not win the Super Bowl, <laughs> right? Like, shocker, this team might not win the Super Bowl. But you know what? This team might win the Super Bowl. This team might win the Super Bowl. I, like, that's a real thing. That's a real statement. That's a real possibility. This team might win the Super Bowl. And there are going to be times over the coming months where we're going to be pissed, right? We're going to be mad. We're going to be sad. We're going to be frustrated. All right, but there's also going to be times we're going to be in pure ecstasy. I mean, where it's going to be amazing. The moment of the watermelon kick is something that, like, you just can't. No other sport gives you that. No other fandom gives you that other than this. And that's, that's what bonds us. That's what, what, what links us. And we wait all spring and summer long for this to come back. And it is finally, truly, perfectly here. Um, and so, I mean, how can you not be hyped about that? Um, ooh, I like this. E Edward says, let's give some thoughts on the first drive of the regular season. Um, we will certainly preview the Bucks game. And we have a lot of content coming out, by the way. Um, for those of you who arrived late, later on today, today is Sunday. Later on this evening, we will have a 53-man roster prediction video. We will tell you the 53 players that we believe will be on the Dallas Cowboys roster come Tuesday. We will tell you all the special distinctions, all the little rules you need to know, because there are a lot of particular details happening with the Cowboys as roster cutdowns near. Uh, so that is coming out later tonight, Sunday night. Monday morning, that is tomorrow, Monday morning, we will drop a highlight video that will have all of the highlights. Yes, there were some uh, from the Cowboys-Jaguars preseason game. This will be something we do every week. After every Dallas Cowboys game, as soon as we can, we will get highlights up and we'll show you all the top plays, the plays that were important, because some of those don't necessarily happen for the Cowboys. Uh, that is something that we will do as well. So we have a lot of stuff coming out this week, Tuesday, Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central Time. We will jump on live again here on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. We'll have some other BTBers with us, and we will be here as the roster cutdowns happen, as other cuts around the NFL happen. We'll talk about players the Cowboys should pursue, should put a claim in for, whatever the case may be. That will be on Tuesday. Later Tuesday night, after episode four of Hard Knocks, when we see NFL films try to highlight Ben DiNucci, we will be here for a post-Hard Knocks episode reaction show. The good times are here. Football season is back. It always comes back. The Dallas Cowboys will always come back to us. They will oftentimes disappoint us, but they will always come back. So uh, let's see here. Um, Edward, by the way, on the thoughts on the first drive, said three and out. Many Cowboys might have won the Super Bowl, but didn't for 28 years. Look, hey. 
First, first Cowboys drive of the season is going to be a CD Lamb touchdown. There's no other way for it to end. There's no other way than for it to be a Dak to CD 19 yard touchdown. That's that's the first drive of the season. Dak to CD 19 yard touchdown. Lock it up. Um, so my name's RJ Ochoa. You can follow me on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. You can also follow me on Instagram at RJ Ochoa. If email is more your thing, hey, some people like email. You can shoot me one rj.ochoa at sbnation.com. Please subscribe here to the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel. Like I said, a lot of stuff coming out and a lot of stuff coming out every single day. We have YouTube videos coming out. We have podcasts. Go subscribe to the Blog of the Boys podcast network. Check out blogoftheboys.com. Football season is here, so that means we never sleep. Um, everybody, hey, we love you. Look, I know the Cowboys didn't win a single preseason game. It doesn't matter. Look, they're going to be fine. They're going to win the Super Bowl, clearly, right? That's what's going to happen. Uh, thanks for joining us for our post-game show, everybody. We'll see you next time. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the No. No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.